0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Geek Rant, episode... We're not sure yet. I really need to come up with a different intro for this. This is uh, the second in our series of replay shows. Uh, while we're on our hiatus, we didn't want you to miss uh, our our beautiful voices. Uh, as we are missing you right now. Uh, at this point, I am probably. You you would think that we are uh, lounging by the pool and enjoying our summer off. No, I am probably up to my elbows in boxes trying to find the gravy boat that we never use. Uh, we're <laughs> I'm, I'm moving houses, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to take this time off. So. I I assure you, whatever's going on right now, I would rather be here podcasting. But uh, because we didn't want to uh, just leave you uh, in a lurch, we're revisiting some of our favorite shows. And this week is Chris's favorite show, which is...
1: It's uh, episode 147 when we talked to the developers of Plex, or at least the main developer of Plex. Uh, It was a great show when it came to uh, really explaining what Plex does uh, what it, it and why it, it it's kind of been my favorite thing to bring up whenever people ask, Well, what do you run in your house for media? Uh, I absolutely love this software, uh, paid for it, bought and paid, and I'm glad I did. Uh, definitely, if it's something you need in your house, look into it.
0: Absolutely. I'm a big fan of Plex. I too am a lifetime subscriber with multiple accounts so that my kids can all have uh, accounts and. I think that I got in at the $25 lifetime rate. It may have gone up a little since then. Uh, but you know, as a guy who doesn't pay for much, I paid for this because it's a really solid thing. And you really get, uh, as you listen to this episode, the passion, uh, that this community has behind it. They're, they're even more, uh, in media than I am. And I'm kind of a media nut. Uh, these guys really get into frame rate and, and quality and, and the best metrics. And, uh, it's just, a it's really evolved a lot since we did this episode, uh, uh, some, yep. you know, almost 100 episodes ago. Uh, it's, it's evolved a lot and it's still, I think, uh, as good as it gets.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's anything better right now in the market. And I just noticed in one of the newsletters that it's being put on a TV. Did you see that? The client is being put into a TV.
0: Smart TV with Plex. Awesome.
1: Yes. I, I was just yeah. shocked when I saw it. I was like, go Plex!
2: And I'm probably saying more in this intro than I did the entire interview they had with Plex. So, um, I don't really need this. Um, so I, I had a great SES link. I'll just reiterate again the <laughs> live tweeting of D Day. Um, I thought was awesome, but yeah. If you're into media, um, then Plex would be the way to go. So I learned a lot listening to passionate people talk to the developer on this one. Even though it's a uh, kind of long in the tooth, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, the passion and knowledge will carry through well. This would be a great intro to Plex for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing.
0: All right. And without further ado, here is Everyday Linux episode 147, Plex, again. everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 147, Plex, recorded June 8th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, Element elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. This week, we have a guest with us, Mr. Elan Feingold, who is the CTO, Grand Poobah, Grand Wizard something of Plex. And uh, we recorded that audio a little earlier, and I'm going to slip it into the show seamlessly. And if I hadn't mentioned it here, you wouldn't know the difference. But hey, I'm all about transparency. So now you know the uh, the man behind the curtain. Uh, but who is not going to stay behind the curtain are, of course, my uh, stalwart co-host, Mr. Chris Neves, the command line godfather, and Mr. Seth Anderson, the gooey kid. Hi, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Howdy folks. All right. So in case you wondered, Seth is from Texas. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I almost launched it to the whole big text Howdy thing. And Luke. actually, I didn't know if you were going to like, uh, say anything about it. So,
0: uh, big Tex, if you're not, if you don't know what that is, he's a giant, like 50 foot cowboy at the state fair who
2: burned up last year. Really? And they replaced him with like a creepy, demonic, possessed looking <laughs> guy. Uh, the, the, the new big Tex looks kind of creepy. I, I everybody he stood that, for so. like eighty years something a long time uh and
0: somehow nobody's really sure or at least they're not reporting it somehow managed to catch fire and what do you do when a fifty foot cowboy catches fire?
2: Nothing
1: you stand and watch you let it burn <laughs> yes, you let it burn
2: yeah, I think they um I think it was like an electrical short or something. In there. And of course, you know, it was basically, uh, steel infrastructure with just like canvas covering it. So it actually it didn't burn that long, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. That's been a while and I've played uh, too many, you know, stupid games on my computer to yeah, really Well, it much. was a big
0: <laughs> deal every year. So. He got a new pair of pants, a new pair of jeans and they were real jeans. Right. That, that uh, usually Justin or some, some somebody like that. It was, it was a somebody would pay or donate the clothes to get their their name in there. So he's worn Levi's over the years and he had the big thrush popper shirt and they were real clothes and it was always uh a thing. You know, big Tex is sporting a, pair, a size 4395 set of jeans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. That's awesome. But yeah, that's, that's a cool what he way said. way of doing of uh that's a cool way of doing like an advertisement too. Yeah. You can say that Big Tex is wearing yeah. my jeans. So
0: yeah, and he, and he cool. had a, a, a recorded loop he'd play, Howdy, folks! Welcome to the Great State Fair of Texas! So, uh, that's uh, that's why Seth re- alluded to that. So, that little inside baseball there. Uh, just a quick note I wanted to follow up on, on last week's show. Uh, I, ha- I had one of those situations where I lost my primary recording and my backup recording. Um and had to resort to the Google plus hangout recording. So that's why the last 12 minutes or so of last week's show sounded like we were talking through pillows. Uh, and you know, audio quality is something I'm a stickler about and it's something that you in the audience comment on frequently. I just wanted you to know that it was an aberration. It's, it's not, you know, it, it, I knew it was there. It wasn't an accident, but it was, I, it was the best I could do with what I had. So uh that's why I make copies of copies of copies. I have backups everywhere, and uh, I just did a boneheaded thing. I unplug the recorder before I turn i mean unplug the power before I click save. That's a stupid thing to do and and so my backup went away. My primary went away because it's running on a crappy old laptop, and it happens almost every other week. so <laughs> there we go <laughs> uh, now is, now's is. a good time to address to direct you to the tip jar. <laughs> at and, and I want along those lines after uh last week's discussions and and after more than one request from listeners we have a patreon page now cool um we talked about that last week uh, uh Kevin uh, I believe this was, was his name wrote in and and said hey we we uh would you do this and I talked about how I didn't really see the value in it and I thought yeah why not I'll do it so it's a little extra effort on my part, just a little. I have to paste a, a link in there every week to let them know we have a new show up. And uh, so the way it works is you give a certain amount, you pledge a certain amount per episode. Now, if you go to the site right now, the default is two bucks, but you can change that to two cents if you want. So you set the amount and Patreon charges your credit card once a month. So you can, in your charging, in your account, you can say, I want to spend no more than eight bucks a month. And then you can pledge a hundred dollars a month to every podcast you like. And Patreon will say, well, you've said you only want $8 a month maximum and it'll figure out how to make that happen. So you can pledge whatever you want per episode or per month. You, you choose that. Like the, the, I choose how you want to pay it. So I set mine up to be per episode. I could do per month. I could do per week. Um It could just be a standard subscription. I chose to do per episode because maybe we won't do four episodes in a month. Uh, maybe we'll take a, a you know six weeks off, like uh, like we did a couple years ago. Uh, you know, it just however it works. Uh, I decided to go with per episode, but your build per month, and um, because so I got some feedback about that that I had misre- misrepresented that it wasn't per episode. It's both per episode and per month. So the so I get to set how I want to charge you, but in the end, Patreon bills your credit card once a month. For whatever you set. So uh, there's some goals a la Kickstarter. Um, you know, if we get to $500 of epi- uh, per episode, I'll upgrade not only my studio, but Chris's and Seth's as well with high quality video and audio and even by the bandwidth. Um, you know, um, if, if I, if we get up to $2,500 per episode, I will quit my job and work full time for you. Um, there neither you of those are ever going to happen, but hey, it's, uh, it's, that's why they're called stretch goals.
1: There you go. Milestone. Milestone goals. Yes. So uh that's... It'd be, it, it'd be cool to get to the at least the 500 per episode so we can do high, defi- high definition.
0: Yeah. And then you'd be we'd able have, to see this mole on my forehead up close and personal. It'd be great. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's well, I looking was, forward to that.
1: I was thinking more high definition audio. Because ah. then we, we'd have better mics, better video for us to you know look at each other, but the audio quality of the show would take a dramatic step up.
0: Yeah, as would the file size, so I'd hear about that, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it's there if you want to use it. Again, as I mentioned last week, I really hate begging, Uh, but I also don't want to limit you. If if Patreon is the way you like to do things, by golly, we've got a Patreon page now. Um, (laughs) If you'd rather... uh, I had another... uh, Commenter say that uh, the tip jar on our website had the Tightwad Tech on it, which was when I first set it up a long time ago. It was the only show we did, so it said that. And he didn't want to donate because if that was wrong, what else might be wrong? So I went and and updated that. Uh, I don't want to be a barrier to you giving my giving me money. <laughs> I will take I will take away whatever barriers I have to to for you to give me money.
1: Awesome. Well, it's awesome that we now have extra op- a few other ways of getting um, to allow our listeners and and the Element Opie people to uh, if if they want ways to donate, they have immense ways to donate now. That's awesome.
0: And you know, I've I have done in the past more than one show a week. I would like to return to doing more than one show a week, and you know, money will make help make that happen. Uh, so that's that's just. That's the facts. If I didn't have to work outside of this job, I could put 50 hours a week into podcasting and I would. That'd be awesome. I would enjoy that. Um, and if I could offer Chris and Seth some scratch, you know, they, they would do the same. You know, I'd be able to hire real hosts, you know, people with actual you know, actual, who know stuff. We could do a news show <laughs> with actual reporters. You know, there, there are all kinds of options that that money, uh, as, as coarse and as gauche as that is, money makes stuff happen. And again, if you never have given me a penny, I'm fine with that. Uh, but if, you know, if you want to see more things happen, money is how more things happen. And I did get a couple. We're not going to do any listener feedback this week. I'm going to save it and and next week for Father's Day. Uh, so that we don't have to do any work. We're just going to do a listener feedback show, and I'll, I'll compile it all there. We'll read them and, and and discuss. But I got a number of things saying that last week's show has shamed people into to giving money to other projects and to me. Uh, again, that was not my goal, but I certainly don't mind if you were shamed into giving me money.
1: Well, I think it's good that they were shamed into giving projects money that they've been using. Yes. So I don't have a problem with that one because i've been giving money so everyone else should
2: <laughs> yeah hopefully it wasn't a shaming but it was more of an awakening there you go and eye opening because you know i mean if you're shamed into doing something you'll resent it but if you have your eyes open you resent that but then you see that it's better with your eyes open so hopefully you know hopefully that's that's you know I mean because I would say you shamed me into it whenever really what I meant was I didn't realize I was a complete and pompous <laughs> bleep before you pointed it out so and thank you for making as me I aware. mentioned
0: last week I want to reiterate last week I was preaching at myself during the course of the show I realized what a putz I am uh so it wasn't. It wasn't that I started the show to bash people over the head. It was I started the show as a discussion, and during the course of the discussion, I realized that I was a freeloading leech, and and that's not okay. And I think a few other people had the same realization as I did during the show, realizing Good. that they were freeloading leeches, and, and oh. okay.
1: Now that we don't have any more free le- freeloading leeches around, Pertent to the show today, um, I've been spending the last week and a half helping my buddy get his Plex server up and running and a few other people that I know getting their Plex servers up and running. So it's becoming a large inertia push type thing around here because people are seeing Plex and they're going, well, why am I doing that? That's the, 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 you know, their old way. Yeah. This is so much easier. So. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about Plex further on in the show, yeah. but uh if you haven't looked at them, take a look it's I've worth it
0: i've I've decided as a result of the the interview that hasn't happened yet that that we already did um that I'm probably gonna buy a a, a nas just for play. i had it never occurred to me I mean I had read some some foreign stuff about that, but then i did I just thought well, that's brilliant just a standalone device that is both server and platform. So, and I know I can build one for nothing. You know, I can probably buy one for less than nothing. It's amazing how cheap NAS's are these days. Um,
2: yeah, I would say you, you would probably want to buy the NAS because it would run, it would run cheaper. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. maybe you could build one cheaper, but it would be designed, you know, you would, it would just strip down OS that's not doing everything a regular computer is. And so, you know, you're not going to be wasting all those, all those watts. Keeping it going.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, like, uh, when I was looking into doing it, um, and I, I'm probably end up going to pull the trigger on it eventually here shortly. Um, I'm going to end up going with a Drobo with the, the cash drive SSD underneath it. I think it's the Drobo 5S or something.
0: Drobos are awesome, but they're expensive.
1: But you're paying for that premium yeah. device. And so, but they have a native app for Plex. So, probably down the road that's where I'm gonna end up going um, but right now uh honest to God you know honest to the spaghetti monster whatever you want to say my little rig my gaming rig even when I'm gaming my kids stream off of it and I don't even feel it yeah. so it's pretty lightweight even if you know there were three people streaming um and I was pulling a, a 80 frame second game I was still doing pretty good so um yeah my, definitely
0: the machine you know, I have it. Ad- we need them to sponsor yeah, us. <laughs> Instead, we're sponsoring them. Um, uh, the machine oh, I have it. Show. The machine I have it running on is. Uh, um, it's the AMD version of the Core Two Duo. It was before the okay. i series. It's it's that generation. I forget what the processor is. Is that the Turon uh, two, two? I believe. Sure. Um, and it uh, it transcodes again. the The hard drive gets thrashed a lot as it's sucking down stuff. But uh, it transcodes just fine. It serves out. Just, my problem is, is the bandwidth out more than anything else. If I want to stream outside the house, uh, streaming mm-hmm. inside the house is just amazing. So, I, you know, I, my kids have the little 7-inch Android tablets, and, and they've always um, had room for a couple of movies. So they'll watch a couple of movies, and then they'll, you know, decide they want to swap them out, and so I'll put a couple of other movies on, and once i introduced the plex app to them they realized they had access to our entire catalog of movies it was it was pretty amazing and uh, as we'll we'll talk about later in the thing that hasn't happened yet uh, the ability to uh, to sync some they can just tag some automatically and say yep. you know we're going on a trip next week i want to be able to watch this in the car it just it just happens so anyway we're polluting the the interview and we'll get to that in a bit but uh, so for now we're going to move right on to The uh, tech news of the week that Seth so studiously curates. Um, and, uh, (laughs) Microsoft wants to be on the enterprise, not in the enterprise.
2: (laughs) Uh, yes, it's actually pretty cool. They, um, they are, you know, they purchased Skype a while back, and we've lamented the fact that, you know, Skype seems to be going downhill. But one thing they can do is they've integrated and they haven't released it yet um with all the languages but real time translation so i'm speaking some reasonable uh, facsimile of english and i could talk to someone in germany who is speaking german and you know i'm speaking and he's hearing it's not like i'm speaking it's thinking it's translating it's speaking it's like all it's like near real time and some people have said, you know, well, that translation isn't perfect. Well, okay. It's, it's not perfect, yeah. but it's, it's functional and it will only get better. You know, Microsoft, they release something that is less than stellar and then they tweak it. And, you know, they use their release pool as, you know, their beta testers. And so I'm thinking it's kind of cool now, but you know, it's the universal translator from, uh, from Star Trek. We might have the universal translator in Skype talk about breaking down barriers of communication with the free service. Now you can communicate with somebody from another culture in an, another you, who speaks a language you don't know. And he doesn't know yours, but yet you'll be able to have a conversation Uh again. It's a little buggy now, but yeah, it's, it's here. It's, well, it's, it's not released be yet.
0: They did a demo of it and they they're saying it's right. going to release sometime in 2014 so they got 5 months um and right. it will be available first on Windows 8 they have not said that it's free um i don't know yeah. I, I don't know that i expect it to be free but uh, that's totally something worth paying for if you're a businessman who does business in you know with japanese companies and you're based in detroit um that's something you pay for and you don't think twice about it uh you know now you probably don't want to do a contract negotiation over that because uh, an improper translation can really screw things up uh but it's you know for it's a huge step forward in breaking down uh communication barriers and and i you know this is the sort of thing that's been predicted for years the futurists have been saying for years that this is going to happen and it it's it's finally beginning to be here and, and uh, i remember AT&T in those uh you remember that series of videos they did a long time ago with, with Tom Selleck where, have you ever something, something, you will. One of the things that they talked about in those, I remember, was uh, the the operator, the a digital operator translating phone calls on the fly. Well, it turns out it wasn't AT&T that did it, but Microsoft uh, uh, through Skype. So, hmm. you know, cool. Uh, this is a thing that has needed to happen for a long time. And, uh, like you said, Seth, it's only going to get better. We're in the infancy of it right now. This is, this is a, it's, it's not even born yet. When it grows up, it really will be the Star Trek Universal Translator. You'll go to any planet anywhere and they'll all speak perfect English.
2: Right. And they won't need a babble fish to do it. (laughs) So it'll be Skype. Have you started reading
0: the book? You know of the babble fish.
2: I've, uh, I finished the first two and I'm, I'm on to the third one. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I didn't like binge read in one night. Uh, I started actually last week. So you're and, now a uh,
0: really f- cool fruit who knows where his towel is.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, I, I have one in my car actually in my backpack. <laughs> so just in case, which I had before the book. So I didn't realize how prepared I was.
0: Uh, awesome. That's one of my, it's my favorite five book trilogy. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next one that seth said we had to do no matter what finally the desktop computer is dead
2: yes uh as much as no the desktop computer is truly dead they actually have a prototype or prototype and what they've done is instead of having this machine that sits on top of your desk what they have done is they've placed it inside your desk and so it is now your computer with a monitor. It's your desk with a monitor attached. You um you open you know you raise the thing, and instead of a place to put your pencils and your paper and stuff like in school, there's a place for motherboard, expansion cards, hard drive, power supplies, things like that. So the desktop computer is being replaced with the desk computer. The desktop <laughs> is dead. Long live a, the a desk. year
0: years ago. Uh, a former student of mine built one of these uh, out of wood and plexiglass. And he had all the components on there. He had neon lights and, and fans, uh, with little streamers on them so you could see the airflow. And it was a showpiece, but it was also a a fully functional desk with, you know, his gaming rig inside it. Uh, just throw a, a monitor on top of it and you're good to go. And, uh, we, we all, we, it was, we laughed at him and thought it was cool at the same time. You know, it was this, this is a really neat thing that you're doing, but you're kind of, a, an Uber geek for doing it, uh, but now this company thinks they can make money selling them.
1: And I think they're just selling yeah, the desks, yeah, the- and the desks aren't that highly priced. You know, um, the one that they're the numbers they're quoting here at the end of the article, you know, is a thousand dollars to twelve hundred dollars for this type of a desk with no components. You know, that's not that far fetched for a high end desk. So I I would probably look into getting one. I yeah, like and that. then
0: another thousand on the computer. Inside it, which you were going to pay anyway for the computer. Yeah,
1: right, okay. uh, or more. Right. I, I don't want to go into how much I spent on mine. Just, yeah, I'm sure it, your there.
0: wife wishes you hadn't gone into how much you spent on yours.
1: <laughs> well, it, was, it, it well, wasn't yeah. household money, let's put it that way. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> we have a line. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you have something like this, when it comes time to replace, you don't have to replace the power supply because you're still going to have the power supply. You know, you can recycle the hard drive just swapping out the motherboard. Mm-hmm. So again, is there going to be a big market for this? No, because people refuse to have something. Oh, it's not a tablet. I don't want it then because ew, icky. Um, but you know, for, for an enterprise, a school or something, I just think it's really cool. You know, why, why wasn't this mainstream before? It, it's not like this is any new technology that they've come up with. It's just, you know, somebody is, and I don't know, maybe that people have done this before, but somebody's getting some press on geek.com about it.
0: All right, then the next up in the list, Skype wants to, or not Skype, Facebook wants to go one step further in uh, invading your privacy uh, by doing what Motorola's been doing for a couple of years now.
2: Yes, and this is, I love, you know, I love to bash Facebook. Um, I don't like to just go moo, but this is something you have to opt into. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just slam them, but you opt in, and then what it does when you're in Facebook, it turns on your microphone, and it listens. And so, like, if you're listening to a song on the radio or something, it will post, you know, Seth is listening to it, Whatever song I'm happening, they'll be listening to and, you know, and it'll post it. But again, it's an opt-in thing, which means it's opt-in this month, opt-out next month, new feature you can't change after that, it, which is Facebook's uh, MO throughout history. But for right now, it is opt-in and it is not available to everyone. Uh, but so, yeah, Facebook wants the ability to control your microphone so that they can listen to what you're doing. And, of course, they've said, oh, we don't store the music. We only store like the file. It can't be converted, blah, blah, blah. We'll see how that works out. But it, it's it's kind of creepy. As you um, didn't mention this, I this hope is in
0: smartphones. It's not a desktop feature.
2: Right. So, uh, yeah, the, yeah. No, yeah, it is, it is for the mobile app. So if you don't have the mobile app on a tablet, let's say, and you just access Facebook via the web, it wouldn't be available. It's only through their mobile app. So
0: Motorola, the Moto X phone has this feature, a a subset of this feature already. There's a, there's a a Mm -hmm. separate hardware uh, chipset that is always on and always listening. Uh, for uh, you can do the integration with Google now, things like that my my nexus s and and other phone, or excuse me Nexus five and other phones that have that feature if you've got Google now on it and you're on a a home screen with the google now it's listening to everything I say so right now my phone is listening and if I say okay google it's going to activate um and uh you know so facebook is is wanting to do what other people are already doing, but because they're Facebook, people will have a more a bigger problem with it i think
2: Yeah, I, uh, probably, but yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I don't like the world that, that, that takes us one step. I
0: I totally like the world that that, cause I want the Star Trek interface. I want to be able to say computer and in any normal language phrase what I want. I want this to happen. Um, do I trust Facebook? Uh, No, I don't even run their app anyway. Uh, so this isn't a big deal to me, but I want the technology to proceed. And, and with a with a billion regular users, um, if if a small fraction of them start using this, uh, Facebook can gather lots of data and advance this technology forward. So I, I for one, am excited about the potential of it. Uh, though I don't necessarily trust the the bringers of it as much as I trust, for example, Google. Why do I trust Google more than Facebook? They have a better track record of not being tr- jerks than
1: facebook (laughs) true true um i i think it's kind of a creepy thing but i do um i want my personally i would love to have my google now better than what i have than what it is now um but would i trust facebook or allow facebook to do what google now does no personally i i wouldn't and uh just i think here probably in the next uh i don't know how long what do you think we got 30 minutes left of the show or so. Um, I have a feeling that all the Facebook apps are going to be removed from my phone because <laughs> I don't want any of this to even slip into my phone.
2: Yeah, but like I say, it's it's you have to opt in now, and it isn't even rolled out to everyone, I don't think yet.
1: Uh, the- well, like like you said though, Seth, it's opt in now. It'll be automatic feature later, and then oh, it's always on permanently. Down the you know for a little bit further down right. the road, I don't want the you know and their app isn't all that great to start with. So You're right,
2: yeah, that is true. I, you know. Their app is it sucks. I mean, you know, expect, well, I got to say though, their Windows app is not too bad, but yeah, their Android app, I I uh, on my tablet, I don't use that thing because it's disgusting. I pull up my web browser yep. and I sign in so that
0: My, way. Th- my wife uses the app on her phone and has noticed that it's a a battery drain uh, we both did Mm -hmm. and so she will go to facebook look up what she needs to do post what she needs to post whatever then go into her settings and manually kill the app and and i keep telling her just use the web page that's it's the it's even less work Than what you're doing right now but she she (laughs) says there are things that you can't do and I'm not heavily into Facebook so I I don't doubt that she's right there are things on the on the web page that you can't do uh, on the app and you know like tag albums and things like that Uh, those things I don't do anyway but it just it cracks me up that a woman who is not technical technically savvy at all has had to teach herself how to navigate the Android um, menu system to manually hard kill an app Because their app
2: sucks so much on Android. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, well, I got to say, on a phone, yeah, you can't really do the web version on the phone it's just too small because you know the, you have your you have your facebook down the middle you have your this is what facebook wants to tell you on the left and then you have the abbreviated facebook on the right of everything that's in the middle so i don't have that experience uh, at all. i mean you- I've,
0: I've got it up right now using chrome on my phone and and it's a nice streamlined thing i, I like it yeah really I'm going to have,
2: I haven't, I haven't now, not tried the, 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 the mobile version. app,
0: mobile.facebook.com, not facebook.com, m.facebook.com. So
2: it's, it's... Huh. I will have to give it another try. It's been a while since I've done that.
0: And, uh, you know, a few years ago, I was, I would have said Facebook, schmacebook. I want no. know, why does adding schm to anything in, immediately dismiss <laughs> it? I don't know. Uh, it but, just
1: works out that way.
0: But, you know, they, that's where people are. So, you know, uh, I. that's where... you you have to do facebook because people do facebook so they you know they've sucked me in um yeah okay moving right along to things that are gonna suck you no i I got nothing uh google is uh is wanting to spread the bandwidth again they've all often said that uh uh the more when more people use the web more often they win and they're putting their money where their mouth is to the tune of a billion dollars
2: yeah i mean Just think about that. If you or I could never hope to do a billion dollars, but for them, that's like, eh, you know, so. That's last quarter's profits. That's not, that's, that's not, no, but the sad part is that's not even profits. That's, you know, that's last week's profits probably. Um, but yeah, so they are looking to launch one billion dollars worth of satellites. I think 18. Satellites is what, and they want to, no, I'm sorry, 180 small, high capacity satellites that'll be in lower orbits than traditional satellites to, they want to bring bandwidth to the world, you know, um, and the great thing about satellite is you can be out in the middle of nowhere and access it. But again, you know, one of the things with current satellite technology is the latency involved and then the data caps. Uh, I would think. That Facebook would probably say we're not going to worry about the data caps, or at least make it more reasonable. You mean um, Google? Currently, you said Facebook. Yeah, currently. I'm. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> golly, I must be having an aneurysm. Uh <laughs> Google. Uh, I don't think they would care about the uh, the caps. Which currently, if you exceed your daily cap, they like knock you down to something like fifty six k for the next day or something. Um, but if you don't use it all, you don't get to carry over. Uh, anyway, this, I, I, I would rather have no internet than satellite as it currently is, but this is really cool because it will bring competition everywhere. You know, out in the country where I live now, I have satellite or I have wireless. This would give me satellite wireless or Google satellite. I'm curious as to how they will, um, yeah, you know, what their pricing structure and usage structure will be on this. And their goal
0: of doing Pretty this cool. is not to give you internet access. It's to give, uh, South, South Africa internet access and, yeah. and, you know, the, the Egypt and places, you know, in the, in the middle Eastern desert, their, their goal is to bring bandwidth to those who don't have it. So things like latency and, and, um, lower, uh, bandwidth in terms of high bandwidth, um, are are less issues for them because they're looking to target people who don't have any bandwidth at all right now um yeah. or or, or right. depending on a, a, a you know rigged together cellular system so again google is putting their money where their mouth, mouth is saying that when people use the web we win and uh it's it's exciting i love to see them pushing boundaries the you know because of their investment in google fiber offering gigabit to a handful of cities uh other companies, AT&T is now offering it in places, and, and Verizon says they're going to roll it out. When Google does stuff, they're big enough, and they can throw enough weight behind it. They move industries. And so I'm excited about what this is going to bring. mean. Uh, you know, satellite is never going to be useful for real-time community. This Skype call would never work on satellite. No. The latency is just too huge. Uh, you're never going to be able to do, um, you know, video conferencing effectively, as effectively. I mean, th- we used to do that all the time. It was, it was, you know, the news guys would do, coming in via satellite, and then there would be, you'd see that three-minute break between the time somebody said something and the time the other person heard it and responded back. That used to be the only way to do things. Now we complain about it. Uh, yeah. But that's just, it just is what it is. When you're sending something 20 miles into space, th- it takes time for a light to travel that far. So, it just, it bees that way.
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, one of the things they mention is they're wanting to go into a lower orbit. So, I wonder how much that will reduce. I wonder if it will be a big enough difference that it would reduce the latency noticeably. Or if it's just, you know, hey, instead of it being 20 seconds of latency, it's 19. You know, that's not a big deal. But if it cuts it in half or something then that opens up that makes satellite viable for more things. Well but, I
1: would you know, think it would be Yeah, I think it would be a lot less because they're they're only they're not even leaving the atmosphere. So I think your latency would drop down quite considerably since you're not having to go through the atmosphere and back down.
2: Uh, right. But like I say, I, I just
1: wonder how When you much, put this in the
0: context, you know, Seth, of your uh when we did the history of communication thing and you you pulled out that stat that it took something like sixty four minutes for uh, message to go via telegraph uh west or uh around the or maybe it was east anyway whichever
2: direction it was i think it was it was 12 minutes west and then 10 minutes okay, to something go like east. that so
0: when we complain about uh 20 seconds of latency it just goes to show how far we've gone what are we going to consider laughable in another hundred years
1: um or, know, or even 10 you know with, it, with all with all the broad with all the, uh, the push to have gigabit to the, you know, to your doorstep, that's, you know, in 10 years, that could change immensely. Yeah. So, I know around my neck of the, of the woods, there's a, there's a lot of pushing to get, uh, and a lot of it has to do with all the oil up in this neck of the woods that, uh, there's a, a big push to get more broadband available, not just from the, the two carriers, but to have more carriers come in. And to give a higher bandwidth availability, um, it's just a lot of governmental red tape to get it in here. So, I know there's a lot of people that are, are dying to get it. So,
0: All right. Uh, moving yeah. on to a follow-up from, I believe it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, we talked about a uh, flaw in Linux. Well, it doesn't exist anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um- yeah, the Linux kernel has been patched, basically the one that allowed um, the CH rootkit that you could scan to test your system for rootkits. There was a vulnerability th- that it, w- if you could get local access, you could gain root access. Um, and uh, anyway, that's been patched, so... I thought it was pretty cool because it patched a vulnerability that didn't require root level access to be effective because it could get root level access. So, but it's fixed now and the link will be in the show notes and you can read all the security stuff uh, and details for yourself.
0: Hmm. So recently in the, in the recent past, a couple of years ago, uh, Amazon, uh, teamed up with Ubuntu and, uh, Ubuntu said that when you do search, in uh, unity when you're whether you're searching the internet or searching local will throw amazon store stuff in there and the uh neckbeards revolted and a lot of people ran away from uh uh, ubuntu because of it well now apple's doing it and their people will probably love it
2: probably yeah this is just another example of apple leading the way breaking new fields by doing what other people um, have done the same way Yes, you know, I mean, you know, the same way they invented the genre with the iPod and they created tablets. Now they are creating, um, you know, s- local search with Amazon. So, yeah, no, I just want to, you know, point out this is just, uh, <laughs> and again, because it's Apple and Apple does no wrong uh, to Apple users, everybody's probably going to love it and say, oh, wow, now I don't have to go to Amazon. I can just search for my local machine and get, you know, my latest issue of apple smug monthly or whatever <laughs> um you know and so i i as long as they have well you probably can't opt out because if you had the ability to opt out then you wouldn't need it and so apple wouldn't yeah. have put it in there anyway but at least with ubuntu you can still opt out and so um, as the article you know they as might, the
0: article says the, the real issue with this is you don't know when two large entities like that come together you don't know what they're doing with your data Um, you know, uh, when you search on Google, there is a, there's a terms of service and you can look at it and you can see what they do when you search on Amazon, there's a terms of service, but this sort of thing between Apple and, and Amazon or whoever it is that they are in between Ubuntu and Amazon there, there's not a terms of service for that. You don't know what they're doing. You have to trust that they have your best interest in mind. And you know, some brands have earned more trust than others in that regard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Personally, I wouldn't trust. So
2: that. yeah, I'm just curious as to what the uh, what the hubbub will be about on the internet regarding this. I haven't really heard anything about it one way or another, other than this one article. Um.
0: All right. So, uh, brand- Barnes and Noble gave up the Nook brand. Well, now they're bringing it back, uh, in conjunction with Samsung.
1: Interesting.
2: Yes, it seemed a while back that they were just, I mean, they announced partnerships or they, they announced that they would really love it if somebody would come in and make nooks with them. Uh, please help us not to die kind of announcement. And well, Samsung is taking it up and they will produce a co-branded Galaxy tab for nook. It'll be a seven inch tablet. Um, you know designed to compete with the kindle so um but yeah it's just um is this enough to make barnes and noble a challenger for amazon i don't know but maybe it's enough to keep them not dying well the um, only thing that it will you know, make I this think- work
0: is if barnes and noble has this a similar catalog to what's available to through the 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 amazon kindle, the kindle fire yeah. uh, we all know the kindle fire is a an entry point to buy. It's a cash register that you can watch movies. Right. It's a store, um, and basically. so uh, the Nook. And there are lots of other tablets that have been as good or better than the Kindle Fire, but they didn't have that synergy with you know with content, with media, with with purchasing. And of course, Barnes and Noble is is uh, stellar in the in the book market. And this is going to be a reading-focused thing, but if that's all it can do, if they don't have the media capabilities, if if you can't dial up uh, a library of several thousand videos to choose from, if you don't have music like on Amazon, this will can, this will fail. Hmm.
2: Well, you know, and one thing about the the Kindle can read even if it's just for books. The Kindle can read so many other formats. I went to a Barnes and Noble, and I I played dumb. I just said, hey, I want to buy a Nook, but I I don't want to, you know, can it read other formats? What Can it read a PDF? And you would have thought I asked, you know, can I give you cancer? (laughs) Just like, no, why would you want to do that? That's not safe. That's not secure. Only the Nook. And I just like, what about not having a credit card? And it was like, why would you not have a credit card? You know, uh, but so it was just, again, I, I played dumb. I didn't say, look, buddy. I know more about this nook looking at it than that little seminar you went to last week. Um, but it was just like, it was, it was almost, it was all I could do really not to just laugh in his face when he kind of did the whole PDFs aren't secure yeah. and you shouldn't use them. I mean, it, and only the nook. Anyway, it, it, it was just in a similar fun. vein. So, I was
0: at a, I think it was best buy some time ago and I was buying a laptop and they wanted the optimized. They said, do you, you know, do you want us to optimize this? And I said, I, uh, set up uh, and install and configure on average 500 laptops a month. No, I don't need you to optimize this for me. And he had the best response I've ever heard anybody say. He said, "Well, most people don't." But yeah. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. He's right. Most people don't. So yeah, you were you were in
2: the most people don't category there at the nook store. Right. It's almost fun to do that. Yeah, though. they're just yeah i love playing dumb i'm gonna especially when it comes to computers just to see whether i'm talking to somebody who knows or just somebody trying to push you know push product and he was he was trying to be a product pusher uh he didn't know much
0: Hmm. the truth is i i have never averaged 500 a month but i wanted to make him think i was a big dog so (laughs) right it worked yeah so uh moving right along uh ssl open ssl um, after being you know relatively lackluster in their security fixes for a while uh heartbleed woke them up and now they've released seven new patches wow or or a patch for seven vulnerabilities
2: yes um so you know and and it's kind of big news and you can go into all the you know buffer overrun things uh handshakes all these other kind of Basically the same kind of leaks and the same kind of vulnerabilities that have been out there. Uh, now they're getting to the fix. Now they're getting fixed. And, you know, I wonder, is it just some of the, um, is it some of the core infrastructure initiative thing paying off already? I mean, cause, you know, they have to have this big bug list of things that they just haven't got around to yet. Now, now that money is starting to come in and, you know, the spotlight's being shown. Is this, is this kind of? Is it just the first fruits that we're seeing this major push already, or you know, did did he take a week off of work so uh he could, or did he break up with his girlfriend and have some? <laughs> well, free you got to know after the whole
0: Heartbleed <laughs> thing that an audit was was begun. You know, if if this right. has been there for all these years, what else is there? And so you know, whether right. it's uh, the 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 Linux Foundation doing it or just the maintainers of the pro maintainer maybe of the project. But, uh, you know, I, I, really think this is just, holy crap. If this has been there all this time, what else is there? And they're finding their stuff there. Most of this is esoteric. I mean, you, it's, you got to work to get these things to, to, uh, to, to, exploit, but yeah, hackers work. They're okay with that. If it's a, yeah, if that's it's their a rich job. Enough target. <laughs> they will spend whatever the effort is required.
2: Yeah. And, and one of the things Heartbleed showed is this is a very rich target indeed. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, Oh yeah, a lot of the web runs SSL, but whenever you have, you know, every major website out there saying, uh, we're broke now. Don't use us. Um, they're like, holy yeah. crap. You know, we, maybe we need to quit writing so much Windows crap and focus on open SSL, uh, richer, you know, richer targets.
0: All right. And the next up, uh, Sony decides to bow out of the portable market. They've, they've, they're, they're not going to sell the PlayStation Portable anymore. I don't think anybody will notice.
2: No, probably not. Yeah. I don't, they, they have, uh, you know, and then there was one. There's the, uh, Nintendo DS. Um, as far, I mean, granted, you know, and the thing is there's more gaming going on on smartphones now than there are on handheld devices. So unless there's unless it's really something special there's really no need to have a little portable gaming system like that their time has come and gone and um so sony realizes it and they have uh quit selling um in north america um they're going to end in Japan later this month and later this year in Europe. So uh, they're just basically trying to get rid of the inventory that's out there.
0: Yeah, and so I think you nailed it. Uh, iPhone and Android have usurped the the portable gaming market. I mean, the these devices have GPUs now and and processors that are powerful enough. They You don't need a separate portable gaming device. I mean, you get a 7-inch tablet... And it's amazing what that thing can do. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's not Sony screwed up. It's not, it's just the market went away. It, it evolved into something else.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's still a market, you know, but I don't think it can support two major ones, you know, that, cause I, you know, I don't want to give a young kid a phone. But, you know, so still maybe a Nintendo DS or something like that, but there's just there's not the demand for it anymore.
1: Well, not uh, with every child getting a tablet or a phone in their hand. You know, who who wants right. who wants a uh you know, like my son, you know, he still pulls out the old original Game Boy once in a blue moon that I had when I was a kid. Um but most of the time his hands are on the tablet because he has Netflix access, he has his games that he plays. Um, He can stream Plex, so yeah, it's just kind of the the all-in-one device for him.
0: All right, uh, and moving right along, Netflix, uh, (laughs) Verizon says Netflix, stop blaming us when we don't do our job.
2: Yes, um, you know, uh, Netflix has been in the news a lot, you know, first of all, the whole Comcast thing where they're paying Comcast for access to their customers basically they are posting on websites whenever your video buffers uh and this happens on verizon you get like this little message up there that says um the network's congested we and again this is kind of layman's terms the network's congested we can't get through to you now and uh so the ver- lawyers from Verizon, who of course are paid anyway, so they might as well be doing something. Um, they've sent a cease and desist letter to Netflix. Um, they've also asked the service to provide information, including a list of customers on the Verizon network to whom Netflix delivered the notice or face legal action. Wow. So. Hey, you know, who did you tell that we sucked? Yeah. Um, tell us or we'll sue you. You know, how dare you know, we're not going to fix the problem. We're going to sue you for pointing out the problem is kind of yeah. what it is. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, again, their lawyers have to do something anyway. So might as well threaten a lawsuit.
0: This, I, I, I'm sure you guys uh, heard it because you both listened to the podcast, but uh, the security now podcast of maybe two weeks ago, they had. Uh, an ISP owner on there, and he was talking about who should pay for what and, and these people who are consuming more than their share. And it, it just the whole time I was thinking, you, you guys are charging for the wrong thing. You're charging for bits when bits are an infinite commodity. What you really need to charge for is the amount of taxation, uh, the amounts of, amount of stress that any one customer puts on your system and that's what bandwidth is supposed to be you tear it so that this person uses three megabits and this person uses 10 megabits and this person uses one megabits and you charge them for that the the problem is they're not charging right and so that's what this whole pissing match between netflix and verizon is all about verizon whines like they all do that netflix is gumming up their their works well so what? That's not Netflix's fault. That, that that means that their customers are using their, their Internet connections in the way that they are paying to use their Internet connections. Uh, if you don't like it, it's not Netflix's problem. It's not even your customer's problem. It's your problem for overselling what you can deliver. You have told... Let's say a million people that they can have 10 megabits unlimited, but you can't deliver 10 million megabits. So your problem is that you've oversold your service and you want to blame Netflix for it. You don't want to fix the service. You want to charge for it. You want to get more money. But that doesn't actually fix anything. You're still overselling your service. Nobody's going to take, they're not going to take this money from Netflix and put it in network upgrades. No, they're going to try to punish people so that they'll stop doing it as much and the, the it's you're selling the wrong stinking product stop oversell and, and this goes all the way back to dial up guys that the 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 thing back then was you could oversell by usually 3 to 1 you could sell three times as many connections as you have on the assumption that not everybody's going to be using it at once that world doesn't exist anymore but we're still selling that model we're still yep. selling 3 4 12 15 times as much as we actually have in a world where people actually use their connections.
2: Yeah. And the other the other side of that and the thing that you know that was a great thing anybody who has a question about net neutrality I would really suggest them go listen to that episode but you know it it's like if i conserve the amount of electricity i use I shouldn't have to pay the same amount as the guy next door who has a house twice my size and runs, you know, 18 banks of floodlights at night. Um, And that's what the ISP is trying to do. They're trying to say everybody needs to pay the same thing. And this guy who has a one-bedroom shack with one light bulb should have to pay the same as the guy with the, the 25-room That's, that's what the unlimited the model runaway. gets
0: you. It, it, it personally wouldn't bother me if they went with a per bit model. Give me a meter just like the electric company does, just like the water company does, just like the gas company does. Give me a meter that measures in something that I can see, not a black box. I need a dial that I can walk out and look at. I need to see how much, how many bits I'm using and charge me a certain fraction of a penny per bit. Then you're selling the right
2: product. Yeah. That, that's right. That is, I would love to see that. You, you pay something like $10 to connect. And then that gets you like one gig and then something per X from there on out. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've always, that been, would be awesome. And that, that would fix it because if people wanted to torrent, um, you know, 28 ISOs a day, it's going to cost them more money. And if I just jump on for five minutes to check my email and check Facebook and then get off, it's not going to cost me as much. And then it's up to me. But again, there has to be some number that I can see, I've used this much data, I've used this much data, and then it's up to me to regulate how I can. You know, the
0: cell phone companies kind of do that. They kind of sell bits, but not really. They still want to have one foot in the unlimited, and so they give you this pool of bits that they assure you is more than you'll ever use. Um and the problem is because they're trying to straddle the fence between unlimited and pay per bit, their charge per bit is ridiculous. Yeah. And so yeah, that's what's yep. gonna happen. If 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 ISPs start charging per bit, they're gonna get make less money. So this grandma who's now paying fifty bucks a month for uh for ten megs because it came bundled with her television service but never uses it. Suddenly her rates are going to go down. And the ISPs know this. They know they'll lose money if they actually start charging people for what they use. So they want to charge people a a flat rate and then punish those who use quote unquote more than their fair share. They can't have it both ways.
1: Yeah. See, I've always liked the model of you pay for the pipe. I think it should be piped like.
2: They've got the, they've got the lawyers though to say they can. And the lawyers are getting paid anyway. So they might as well try, you know. And,
0: and Chris, the but paper, yeah. paper the pipe model works. And, and,
1: but the thing is they're not, they're not paying for the pipe. They're, you're, it's not a direct connection. It's yeah. a shared connection. And that's where the pipe model right. breaks. So you're
0: selling, you're selling the pipe, but designing your infrastructure for bits. Yeah. So you're, you're buying, you're selling one thing and buying another. Exactly. And that's the problem.
1: If they went to you buy yep. the pipe. You know, like you you know, like when you go to the the hardware store and you buy you know you need ten feet of pipe and you bought ten feet of pipe, well, you could meter your house, find out what's your usage, and buy the the size of pipe you need for your usage. And I, I've I've always liked that model the best because, you know, like my mom, all she needs is enough bandwidth to watch one movie she has one TV in her house that does Netflix, and that's the only thing that really does any heavy load. But because of the model that we're at, she's got to pay for a 15-meg connection in order to stream Netflix. Because anything lower in her network, her stream can't handle the Netflix load. And if Netflix goes to 4K like they're talking, or the ability to go to 4K, um, then she's going to have to upgrade again. But because there's no model for her to say, I want enough. Of a big enough pipe to my house to cover this stream, and yeah, it's just a rough place,
0: and 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 it can't last. This this we're going to look at back on this, and this is the 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 Wild West days. We'll look at it in the same way we looked at dial up modems. Um, you know, if yeah. you tried to connect your DSL and got a, a busy signal, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But back in the day, you just accepted that and you hung up and redialed. So this garbage that we're accepting uh, isn't going to 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 stand for long. The, the model, the economic model won't allow it. But right now, it it ticks me off because these companies are are selling one thing, buying another and then punishing the people who actually want the service they paid for. And, yeah. wh- and why the up. heck does Netflix need to get charged anything for this? They're already paying for their connection. They're already yep. paying for their servers. They have a CDN. They're they're paying for it. Why why on earth does this guy who was on the Security Now podcast think it's a good idea to charge Netflix because I'm a subscriber? That's entirely the wrong well, person to
1: charge.
2: Yeah. But he made a point that I didn't know that Netflix isn't really um, you know, one of the things of the internet is you are supposed to be cacheable and their service it, they prevent caching. True. So he doesn't have the option to set up a gateway server and cache the netflix stream to alleviate his demand so if netflix is going to be non compliant in the way they do things you know if, if yeah. you're going to do something in a non compliant way then you should pay more for whatever it. you're yeah, for I'm pretty compliant way but
0: i'm pretty sure but they are paying for that right because they have to have the server bandwidth to stream that out every time somebody asks for it when you know for every viewer of orphan black they're paying. They're streaming those bits. Sure, I, I bet they would like to have it cached because it saves them bits. If you don't go back to their server, they can have less. But you know, the 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 Hollywood guys who are afraid of having anything copied wouldn't allow that. But again, you know, the, your your argument doesn't stand up, Seth, because they're already paying for it, whether it's standard or not. They're already paying for every bit they stream. And if you watch Orphan Black and I watch Orphan Black at the same time, they're paying for two streams out. Uh, caching would do right. them a favor, so I can't imagine that they're non-standard because they want to be.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll give yeah, you. that. Yeah,
1: I'll go with that too. But um, I, I guess the better question is, is why? I I, I mean, obviously, the, the, we all know the answer why Netflix doesn't allow us to cache. But I guess you know if like the show today, you know we're Plex, we're technically caching our local media to a server i mean you know when you look at it that way so why can't we do why can't netflix do it i don't i don't understand because we're
0: technically felons when we do it every time you and i rip a dvd we commit a felony
1: right but we're also allowed one digital backup of our physical media
0: yes but we can't break the encryption to get it welcome to the u.s
1: exactly which is an old law that needs to be looked at again.
0: You're, you're legally allowed to have a copy, but you're not legally allowed to make a copy.
1: Yeah. Exactly my point. I <laughs> think it's an old law that needs to be readdressed. But there's a lot of those and the government doesn't really move quickly.
0: I, I just get mad when things are stupid and, and lots of people buy into the stupidity. And this is, yep. you know, this why I get mad at government because it's stupid. Um, uh, and, but that's, that's where this whole net neutrality argument is based on stupidity. It's not even ignorance. You can't even blame the lawmakers for being ignorant on this one. They're just being dumb. They wouldn't accept this with any other provider. You know, if, if, if Ford tried to charge a surcharge for every mile, but every mile you drive, or because if your, car, if your family owns two Fords instead of one, you gotta pay us extra every month. Wait, nobody would stand for that. But that's exactly what's happening in this this the television slash cable slash telephone market. And Good movie. Yeah. And it's just dumb. End of the story. You know what's not dumb? How about five hundred games for
2: Linux now
0: on Steam? Yes.
2: Yes, they have surpassed the 500 mark of Linux games for Steam. The actual name of the, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, let me see. Ig, Igmatics, The Mist of Ravenwood, which is a hidden object game and that genre seems to be pretty popular now. So, uh, and their best selling game on Steam for Linux is currently Rust. So uh you know 500 in less than 2 years that's not bad. Um again we are missing some of the uh the first run titles but again I think that it's just something that will be addressed as steam gets more traction and the more games that are there the more people will use it the more people that will use it the more developers it will attract the more developers it will attract the bigger the games they'll be able to pull. So it's one of those groundswell things that I think will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, I think so too and i just hope that we're and i don't know if this is just me being picky but I don't consider a linux uh, a a game linux native if it's just got a fancy wrapper around it and it's just the windows yeah, if it's just wine
0: by another name
1: yeah uh and there's a there's a few of those the witcher is one that I've been listening uh, there's another gaming podcast that it came up on and they just pounded that game to to pieces because of the fact that it's just a pretty window, or it's just a pretty wine wrapper around the Windows API and so it performs in their test interfaces in their test beds, it was really poor performer um, I would rather see a late I would rather see a game take an extra six months to get released if it was native than to just wrap it around something, so just my two cents
0: You you may prefer that, but the market in general doesn't. First, first to market wins.
1: Right, but that would give pressure to get, you know, if they want the Linux dollar, that gives them pressure to get it done. And, you know, as a single, but a lot of these games, you know, they get kicked back three, six months all the time. Um, I don't remember the last game I was waiting for, but it had four, uh, four release, it was kicked back four times saying that it's not ready yet, it's still, it's still on the hopper. So, how is that any, any different saying it's still on the hopper for four different kickbacks for a Windows release? How is that any different than saying, oh, it's not ready yet, we're gonna kick it another couple of weeks for the Linux to get catch up, so it's a, f- a simultaneous release over all platforms. And I've also seen Number of games, uh, Borderlands in particular, where it was not released simultaneously. It came out in a stutter. Um, the consoles came out, and then the the when the 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 computer version came out just after it, a week. I think it was a week later. Uh, the original one, but you know that's that's something gamers are used to seeing. They're used to kickback time. They're used to seeing delays because of something. Something showed up at the end, so. Honestly, I think the the gamer market wouldn't crucify game manufacturers for a delayed Steam release.
2: Well, but then there are, since, you know, Wine will already do a lot of things for Windows, what's to stop somebody from just getting the Windows game and trying it through Wine? Or, you know, or just play it in Windows, and so then you're crushing the need for Steam, because there are the casual gamer really won't care whether it's Windows or Linux. They just, they want it out. Right. And, you know, I, yeah, I got this Linux machine, so if I'm going to have to wait that much longer, then why bother? So, I mean, you know, they're going to catch flack whichever way they choose, Um. so Wine is like a good compromise for them.
1: But it's but it, it should be just a Band-Aid though. It shouldn't be a permanent in my opinion. Um, Wine is a Band-Aid that should be ripped off eventually, and it should be that the, if going down that path, Seth that if if wine is a wrapper for release time that's I wouldn't see a problem with a, a wrapper for a release date to get the release date on time but there should still be a native code for a game then if I'm buying it because I'm buying it to play it on my system as it sits not to play in an emulated system. It just so happens I have to play an emulated system
2: right but again you're not the i know you're not the the major demographic there
1: i know i'm an edge case and i've been told that about 17 times in the last 2 days so i thought they said you were new. a head case i i missed that well that was said twice so
0: okay. <laughs> hey you remember deck computers no you remember compaq
2: computers yeah. yeah
0: no well at some point those two merged into a company that nobody
2: remembers anymore <laughs> no, uh, this was a humongous deal when it happened this week in history. June the 11th, 1998. I remember this one, um cause I was like a, I was a deck fan at the time. Um, and I thought it was, I, I didn't like it when it happened, but compact computer paid nine billion dollars for digital equipment corporation, which a side bit of trivia deck was the first company to release a portable disc blade disc based mp3 player. Um, it just didn't do so well. You know, Apple was the first one to uh release a successful, you know, commercially profitable model, but DEC beat them to the punch. Um, which, you know, they were bought by Compaq. Compaq was later absorbed by HP, so HP kind of gets credit for that today. But yes, nineteen nine that's nine billion nineteen ninety eight dollars. You know, You hear about all these humongous deals, like Facebook paid a gazillion dollars to pick Lint out of somebody's pocket or something, uh, not too long ago, but nine billion dollars in 1998. That was, that was a lot of money. Um, it's still not chump change today, but that was even more money back then. At the time, that was the largest amount paid for a high tech acquisition.
0: You, you finished up before I had a chance. I was going to look up. I'm on a currency converter right now. I want to find out how much nine billion actually was, but I couldn't do it. I wanted, I wanted okay. to convert it to today's money, but that I'll leave yeah. that as an exercise to the listener.
1: It was a lot. you know the, the, the number would probably be would break most calculators. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so now it's time to bring on our guest who's been quietly waiting all this time in a digitally pre-recorded interview. And so here we are with Alon Feingold, the, uh, grand poobah. That's the title I'm going with. You can correct me later, but that's what I'm going with. The grand poobah of Plex. Uh, so let's get straight to it. Alon. who are you? What do you do? Why should we care?
3: Wow. Those are three very tough questions. Um, (laughs) grand poobah does sound good. Technically I'm the CTO of Plex. Um, who am i what were the other questions what do i do and why should you care yes um well what i've been doing for the last uh seven or eight years is working on plex and why should you care because plex is the most awesome thing to happen to your media since bacon happened to your food
0: wow that that should be (laughs) on your press that's good
1: i like that that is awesome
0: um i like it so we have talked about Plex on this show a lot, which is why you're here. Uh, Chris discovered it, raved about it. I then, uh, decided to take a look at it and began to rave about it. And we thought we got to get to of these guys on the show because this thing is, is pretty amazing. And it's, it's right in our wheelhouse. It's, it's free slash cheap. It's open source and it's, uh, billions of hours of time wasting abilities. So um, so tell us just <laughs> no in a nutshell, kidding. for those who haven't listened to the last several shows, what is Plex and what makes it so awesome?
3: Sure. So, I mean, if I were to give you the elevator pitch, it's basically your media, wherever you happen to be, whenever you want to see it. So what we try to do is um, any media you have at home, whether it's photos, whether it's videos, whether it's um, music, audio, anything like that, we have this amazing magical server that indexes it and categorizes it and makes it look amazing. Um, it'll download you know, posters for movies and um, just make it look absolutely amazing. You can tag it, categorize it, do all that kind of stuff. And then once you have it all in there, you can send it pretty much anywhere you want um, from a mobile device outside your home. Um, you can sync content to a mobile device to take with you later. You can stream it to um, any one of our uh, clients that exist for the big screen TVs um so it's pretty much uh a client server system you can stream your media from your server to any of these apps that exist for example one of the most popular apps we have is on the roku you're probably familiar with the roku tiny little tv streaming box indeed um small sexy cheap um really nice um and we have uh an app on there it's one of the top used apps on that platform actually and you can use it to listen to your music watch look at your photos stream your videos um so it's it's pretty awesome.
0: And what what I found first off about this thing was it it's so it's it's automagic. Things just happen. Uh like you know using the the uh much maligned and accursed UPnP, um it goes out and punches a hole in your firewall and connects up with your server and then you log in to your server and boom there's all your stuff. Um how do you where how What's what 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 are the little gnomes that make that happen?
3: Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that particular part because um so there's a little bit of history here, so I can go a little bit deep into it and you can cut me off and tell me to speed up. But basically, you would think that for one computer on your network at home to find another computer on your network at home would be brain dead simple. Um, just in terms of discovery. It's not. It might have been when everyone used Ethernet, but when everyone went to wireless, that got a lot harder because wireless uh, Wi-Fi doesn't like to always be on. So it's it makes things a lot harder, which is why Apple now, in the latest iOS, they do discovery via Bluetooth a lot because Bluetooth is always there. They can use the low-energy Bluetooth to discover each other. So even just discovering devices inside the house, super hard. Um and we use a number of tricks. Um, you know, we we use the general broadcast, multicast inside the house, so we can get away with that. But we also use our web service, Plex.tv, um, which you can register an account on and you know, sign your devices into, we actually send up some information about where your other resources are and that allows them to communicate. So in certain cases, believe it or not, the easiest way for a device in one room to discover a device in another room is that both talk to a known third party and get information. So there's a lot of magic going on there. And that's the same thing that happens when you leave the home the server will register up with the cloud and say, oh, by the way, you know you can access me outside the home through this connection. And so that's how it works. There's a lot of moving pieces behind the scenes. But of course, the end goal is for it to be absolutely seamless and holy four-letter word, how did that work? It's amazing.
0: So it's kind of like the old Skype super node, right? You've got, I can't connect to you directly, but there's somebody who knows where we both are and I'll mitigate that. So once you do that... Like, if I'm talking from my phone to my server in my living room, that's not going over the Internet. It's just making the int- introduction over the Internet, and then Ethernet's doing the rest, right?
3: Correct, correct. And 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 right now, we do only work with direct connections so that we don't do um, a relay-type thing where I think I believe the Skype supernodes actually relayed in certain cases because there are certain cases which NAT won't work or certain corporate firewalls that block certain protocols, certain ports. Um. So there's absolutely still cases where it cannot work automatically yet. Um. But we're we're working on adding some magic.
0: Yeah. So I uh my first experience with you um was again Chris talked about you all the time. Uh. And so I'm a I'm a big media guy. I own over three hundred DVDs. I I'm big into to that. I always buy my DVDs and and then rip them rather than downloading somebody else cause that's because then I have the thing. That's just my hang-up. I like to have the thing instead of the promise that some server somewhere will always let me in to see my thing. Um, so I had all everything set up. I set up Plex. First off, I downloaded and I thought, this is this file is too small to do what it's supposed to do. It's, it's the 30 meg or so file. And then I installed it, and it just went to work. It just did. Um, and then I put the the app, the, uh, the free trial, I think it was, app on my phone. And I went to work. One of the most locked down networks you will ever find anywhere. And on my lunch break, I pulled out my phone and started watching avatar from my server at my house and thought that that was the litmus test. I now know that you can break into the Kremlin if you need to, because you allowed me to do that.
3: We have some people inside the Kremlin, but they're generally mostly (laughs) bored at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can, again, I'll, I'll, test this that you know i'm an old i've been on a couple of times on record saying that i buy a lot of movies and a lot of movies have been bought through amazon or google cloud and when i ran across your your program i was like well i can't do everything it's promising but i had an extra box laying around i figured you know what i'll try it if it works it works if it don't it don't and i now am wishing that i could go suck the videos out of those other services and put them in my Plex box because it does more for me than all those other services do. Just that shocked.
3: Thank you so much. That, that really means a lot to us. Um,
0: so you said you've been doing uh, this, I think you said seven years. How old is the project itself?
3: The project itself is about that old because that's um, – I'm one of the couple of people that, that kicked it off and started it. And for a couple of years, it was, um, you know, just a nights and weekends sort of a thing. We all had full time jobs and fast forward, you know, seven years later, and we have this amazing team of engineers that's located all over the planet. We literally have people in, on almost every continent and in a ton of different countries and just all, you know, brought together by love of media and, um, and yeah, so we have this amazing engineering team. We have a small little headquarters in California, um, in Los Gatos, and um, we're like a real company. Oh my God!
0: <laughs> so the the question that uh, that has to follow that is why? What were you trying to scratch your own itch? Did you see a hole in the market you wanted to exploit? Why did Plex come to be?
3: Yeah, and and, and that I mean you nailed it. And that's that's I think why a lot of these things happen is people scratching their own itch. So for me, it was. Um, you know, I used to watch videos using the, um, Xbox Media Center on my ancient Xbox One back in the day. And that was about the time when, um, you know, we were switching over to getting higher definition video and the higher definition video wouldn't play on the Xbox One. It didn't have enough horsepower. So, and I'd just gotten a Mac Mini and I thought, wow, this is a pretty awesome little device. I'd love to have it hooked up to my TV. Um, and so I wanted the Xbox Media Center to work on my Mac Mini. And at the time, their team um, was working on porting it to Linux. So I sort of hopped on that work and um, and then worked on getting it to run on, on OS 10. So that's how it kind of all started with that Media Center app.
0: Yeah, so I still use XBMC as my primary device and Plex is just the server because you're still a little too mouse and keyboard centric to work on my TV with my remote. It's... At least that was my experience with it. XBMC is better at that, but that's like the only thing it's better at. And and they're, I, I, you know, I mean, you may see them as a competitor, but I see them as as wonderful compa- uh, companion applications. Uh, you have XBMC on the big TV in the living room, and you have Plex everywhere else.
3: Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. And it, I mean, if you haven't tried um, our Plex home theater lately, we definitely. And it's it's funny. I thought you were actually going to go. The other way on that, I thought you were going to say you guys don't support mouse and keyboard enough because that's the complaint we hear a lot. But we're not we're not into mouse and keyboard. We, we'd rather that it worked well with an Apple remote or a Harmony remote or one of those things. Um, and as far as I know, out of the box, we should work really well with those remote controls at this point. Um, and plus, we have the really cool um, remote control uh, feature so that from any of your mobile clients, you can um, you know connect to your Plex home theater running right. and fling content, see where it's at, pull content local. Um, so we have this this really powerful kind of like AirPlay but much more powerful way of flinging media around um, from any mobile device. So You can use that as like a, a full fledged uh, remote. If yeah, the I haven't, basic- exp- I
0: haven't experimented with that, I did the five year old test. I put uh, Plex on the machine and gave the remote to my five year old and said, "Okay, go play Barbie Disney." whatever and it she couldn't make it work with with xbmc she can so i didn't really put any more effort into it than that but uh again that's not in any way intended to be uh denigrating it's i think you guys are are what you do is pretty amazing uh, it just in my situation it wasn't it's not quite yet up to being the the central piece and maybe i haven't tried the what's your t- the home theater thing uh I just installed the, the app and the server app and went, maybe there's something else I need to do.
3: Yeah. It, um, if you, if you get a chance after the show, check out Plex home theater. It's another download on the site and it's, it's essentially, it's a, it's a fork of XBMC. So it's the same, you know, it's very similar code bases and we keep it up to date. Um, so it should have all of the, all of the, that functionality built okay. in. And if you have any issues with it at all, please let me know. I'd Does love it to work it on the you
0: touch Pi? I'm sorry. Does it work on the Raspberry Pi?
3: Yeah, in fact, we have a couple of people who are working super hard on on getting it to run on the Pi, and you can watch some videos on YouTube, um, and we have a forum um, section on our forums for the Raspberry Pi. I think it's called Razplex is the name of the the port to the Pi, but yeah, it absolutely runs.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that. Razplex is a client, right, not a server, because... You couldn't you couldn't do what the server does. We we haven't even talked about that. So what does the server do? I talked about the automagicness of it. I'm at my I'm I'm in Fort Knox uh, watching my movies, uh, but there's a lot of math going on in the background. Talk a little bit about what the Plex server actually does to make all that happen.
3: Sure. So one of the main things it does is it you know has to scan all your media that you want to manage with it into the system. So that's the first part. The second part is uh, where the magic kind of starts, and that's the the metadata aspect of it, which is downloading all the posters and theme music for TV shows, and yeah, you, know, you know, TV banners and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and for that, we use a bunch of agents that are in the cloud and a bunch of highfalutin cloud solutions that that manage that. And um, one of the really cool aspects that, that we have there is we have this feedback mechanism where. Um, If we ever get something wrong, if we ever mismatch something, so if you had, you know, Barbie's princess movie and it mismatches it, Barbie in the castle movie or something, and you can correct that, you, you know, as you see, and if we had anything wrong, you can aw- awesomely easily correct it. And that uh, feedback gets sent back to our cloud services. So we process all of the corrections so that, you know, next time, we don't make that same mistake. So it's kind of like a learning system up in the cloud that learns from its mistakes. Um, and that's what imbues your media with the amazing and beautiful pictures and um, summaries and all that kind of stuff. Yep, so that's well, step number two.
0: There's a movie. Let me pause right there. There's a movie that you didn't get right, but it's okay. Nobody has ever gotten right. It's called Felicity and American Girl. It's it's the American Girl dolls. They have companion movies. You don't have daughters. You don't know what I'm talking about. I can tell by the blank expression on your face. Uh, Anybody with daughters knows exactly what you're talking about. You can (laughs) can pay $7,000 for this doll, and it comes with this 30-minute video that goes with it. Awesome. Well, we have a couple of the videos, and I saved it just as Felicity. I didn't do Felicity colon An American Girl Adventure. I just did Felicity. And the cover art that I got was some 70s soft porn with uh, some you know chick with (laughs) pigtails nibbling suggestively on a candy bar. Um, and I thought that's, that's not it. Uh, but again, like I said, it's not you that got it wrong. Everybody gets it wrong. The movie database.org, uh, uh, everybody, uh, gets it wrong. So I ended up, I finally figured out the, the correct way to name the file to get it to show up right. And that, that seems to be the secret. If you name your file, yeah. right,
1: you get things right. Yeah, Naming I is that
3: definitely too.
1: part of it. Go ahead, Chris. I say I noticed that too, especially when like, uh, Oh, I have a whole bunch of them here because I just did them today. Um, like the Dora the Explorer movies, the, the ones that come with a whole bunch of different yes. episodes. Um, there's like, I have one of them that has, it spans five different seasons. So they, they cherry picked of one video from each season and put it on the same disc. And unless I knew it, because I didn't know about the TVDB that you guys use it right away, it totally indexed the whole thing wrong. But then I started reading in the forum on the correct way to name episodal shows like that. And it was like, oh. And then I found the TVDB agent. And I went, well, what's that? Went and found out what that is, which gave me then the seasons that they all go to. And so now it's pulling the correct cover art, the correct everything. And it was just like auto-magically, like Mark was saying. It, It just blew me away when I finally, when I figured out that it did that. The other thing that blew me away about Plex and Mark, I don't know if you've run into this yet, but like my Lord of the Rings copy is the extended DVD version. so each uh, movie is two discs long. I didn't know Plex could span the file until I started oh. until I, I went down this path with the, the the Dora movie and I found that if you named it correctly, it ended up being able to span the movie and when i tested it it worked i didn't even realize it changed file when i checked when i tested it so it you you mean
0: they took a 10 hour movie and made it longer
1: <laughs> yes um but yeah I, what really support like i said like it surprised me though the fact that it could hand off from one disk from disk 1 to disk 2 without a break
3: and it and historically, the the reason why we handle that so smoothly or we, why we have to is um, if you remember back in the day, a lot of times when, when you were like archiving your home movies, you, you'd get them to fit on one CD and sometimes you couldn't fit them on one CD. So you'd fit them on two and there was the CD one and the CD two. So that kind of multi-part, multi-disc handling, you know, kind of stems from that era. But works now, too, for bigger and longer Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's awesome. I have two TV series I have the tick because well the tick is awesome um and yep. uh and it was the same thing I I had learned with the xbmc days to name it tick se1 uh e uh, s1 e1 for season one episode one and I dropped those into uh to play and by the way the way I did it I'm, I'm using um my my primary media center is uh XBMC running on on the Raspberry Pi RasBMC and I'm sharing it with uh, UPnP, so I just pointed, XBM, uh, pointed uh, Plex at that magical UPnP share, and it said, oh, here's your library, boom, um, and uh, it had to do a lot of re-indexing. It would be nice if you guys could share the same media instead of having to do that twice because um, I'm being picky now. Uh, but, Yeah, I'm well, picky about this. Try thing.
3: try uh, try Ras, try Razplex, and that oh. way that that uses the you know the same centralized server. So right. there's there's no need to re-index because basically um, indexing on a Raspberry Pi is pretty pretty slow anyway. So right. yeah. if you use Ramplex, Razplex, you can slam it in; it'll just work right out of the box and look great, taste great, yeah. less filling.
0: <laughs> As I was saying before the show, your Razplex uh, killed my hard drive, and I blame you for that. Uh, because uh, it did all that indexing and started pulling things down, and 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 this drive that was already weak, it pushed it over the edge. It was yeah, it, I, was, it was sort I, of like a a sixty year old man with a heart condition uh, meeting up with <laughs> a twenty year old uh, ne- necrophilia or not, no, n- nymphomaniac. I totally <laughs> went the wrong way with that there. Uh, wow, so, I'm not even sure yeah, where. Sorry, plex, so so, a, so plex, uh, plex just was now. more than its heart could handle
3: public service announcement plex does make your hard drive spin occasionally yes it does your video card to draw a couple pixels every now and then um yeah it does very have hard expectations when. Yeah.
0: you so it's a yeah. uh, it's it's a good uh weak drive detector i've, I've discovered yes <laughs> it's,
3: it's we actually market it as such
0: so i've also noticed in my experiences that that you see now we haven't even talked about the transcode i interrupted you there um but you you transcode on the fly and, and it seems to me, based on my experiences, that you just suck up whatever CPU cycles you can get based on whatever it is, because it doesn't seem to matter what machine I, I put it on, you peg the CPU all the time, everywhere. Is that, is that by design, or just the fact that transcoding is hard?
3: Well, uh, both, actually. So, generally speaking, when you want to play a video from the Plex server on one of your devices, one of three things can happen. Number one, if it's like an MP4 file, for example, which is super compatible and can be played directly on the client, Plex server actually just acts like an HTTP server. So it serves it up zero CPU needed. So if you have all your media in an incredibly, you know, compatible format, that's great. But as we all know, there's other formats besides MP4. And also you might be on a cell phone mm-hmm. and your, uh, MP4 is like an eight gig MP4 and you're trying to stream over, you know, one megabit LTE link you need to transcode that, too. So that's the first thing that can happen, though, is that it's played stream directly. The second thing that can happen is what we call direct streaming, where it just has to remux. So the the file might be an an MKV file, for example, with H.264 video inside it, and that H.264 video we can essentially copy over right to a format that, for example, an iPhone or an Android device understands. And the third, and that's very cheap, that's incredibly cheap, the third most expensive thing is actually is the transcode, because we have to decompress the video, resize it down, compress it again. And that's incredibly, um, incredibly, incredibly expensive. But so you talked about the CPU pegging part. We do something clever where we keep this. Um, essentially, we, we transcode X amount of seconds ahead. So as fast as we can, we try to get you you know, 10 or 15 or 20 seconds transcoded so that your player can buffer it. And then as you consume it, we actually go idle. So if you watch the CPU carefully, we'll use your CPU heavily Get ahead, get ahead, and then idle out, and then wait until you consume it, and then build some more bits, and then idle out again. Um, and that sounds like a, like I'm nitpicking, but it's the reason that you can actually get a ton of simultaneous streams transcoding on, you know, fairly, um, you know, inexpensive hardware. I mean, we've, we've had people that have done five, 10 streams transcoded just on, you know, a, a standard i7 chip. Um, and they've kind of maxed out all the devices across their home network, and it's it's pretty amazing. It it can it can sustain like quite a few transcodes at once.
0: Yeah, and and my experience is is that first thing that you mentioned. I it, I'm going over a lower bandwidth connection than the because all my files they are they are MP4s, but they're all very high quality, and uh, going over even the my house's Wi-Fi. If you get two streams going at once, it starts to to crumble a little bit, and so Plex recognizes that sees the buffering or something i don't know again magic happens things happen in the background and it starts uh transcoding appropriately Uh, every now and then uh like when i'm streaming over lte i'll have to to pause the video and uh drop it down a level and say you know give me 720k instead of eight gigs or eight megs or whatever And, and it just it just does it and that's that's what amazes me i love things that just work and plex just works um I, I, Thanks so much.: I've noticed that I have trouble resuming a video. so if I, if I'm 10 minutes in and I pause it and I go back and try to pick up at 10 minutes, it seems to take it 10 minutes to get back to that 10 minutes. Um, is, that, is that a, a common experience?
3: No, no, that definitely shouldn't no. be the case. What what, uh, what device are you on? What, what device are you streaming to? And like, yeah, or? when I'm
0: going to my Android phone, that's specific, not in the house. None of this on the local is is an issue. But when it's when it's doing the transcoding, when I'm working uh, outdoors uh, and and sh- streaming to my phone, that that's when I see that.
3: What uh, what model of phone? Just out of curiosity,
0: it's a Nexus Five. Nexus Five.
3: Okay, I'm trying to think it's, uh, with Android. You know, we do have. It seems like for whatever reason, the video playback is the most different across, um, you know, of, of all characteristics, you could be running the same OS version on different Android phones from different manufacturers and they have slightly different ways they handle video. So we have run into things in the past where certain things, um, believe it or not, resuming video is actually one of, the, one of the things that a lot of manufacturers get wrong and they, they run into problems with. And a lot of times we actually have to start the video at zero Wait until it starts playing, and then seek to where you really want it to go, because they don't have a native way of of resuming. So some of the slowdown that you're seeing might be something like that. Like it's it's dropping back. It it knows that it's a device that can't handle the native resume, and it's dropping back to this more emulated resume. Um, or it could be it could be a known issue with the Nexus Five. I'm I'm not familiar with it, but it's it's possible. But that it should never be the case. It should resume really quickly. I mean,
0: understand at this point, I'm complaining that the supermodel has a hangnail. I mean, this is
3: <laughs> hangnails really annoy me. Yeah.
0: So uh, the uh, so what else do we what else do you do? So you you uh, you index and cross reference and do all that. You transcode. What else does Plex do that we haven't mentioned? Your channels.
1: Channels.
3: Yeah, I could spend all day talking about it. Um, we we also support online content. So we have a plugin system for um, channels, which are open source and can easily be written in a couple dozen lines of Python code, if you're so inclined. Um, so we have a ton of plugins for all sorts of different websites um, that give you access to online media like CNET, TED Talks, Vimeo, that kind of thing. And we use that same technology to um, uh, give you a bookmarklet so that if you're on a site, that has a video on the page you can hit your bookmarklet and it'll actually save it into a, a playlist um, that you can later watch on you know any of your devices um you can even recommend videos to friends and stuff like that so and also that it, there's also an email service built in so that you know when your friend says hey check out this youtube video and you don't want to click on it right there you can actually just forward the email onto your to your playlist and it'll look for it get the thumbnail make it look all pretty and it'll be there you know when you sit down on your couch in front of your tv you can then see the video that your friend sent you um so so that's the online portion of things
0: you can also Um, share servers with friends which i'm not entirely sure is legal but uh it's certainly very cool
3: well absolutely and and honestly I, you know we're we're we we use it for Sh- you know, sharing photos with our right. family, parents, home videos, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, It's it's not up to you
0: what I share, right? You just well, make you, it you can be You can be
3: scanning in all sorts of like content that's illegal to even have on your system. And, um, you know, Microsoft and Western Digital don't want you storing that on their drives and using it on their operating system. But it's, you know, it's up to you to do the right thing. And we always hope that people use Plex in a responsible way.
0: Yeah. And you're so you mentioned earlier that you're cross-platform, uh Windows, Mac, Linux, um
3: don't forget FreeBSD. Of course.
0: Free BSD. <laughs> um, <Who> Solaris. <laughs> anything else? Uh not not on Solaris, <laughs> apparently. Okay. No.
3: We've had a few requests, but um we're we all we all run ZFS as our file system of choice, but we, we're not on Solaris. All right. Uh, um, and, and then of course we're we're on a bunch of NAS devices too, which bear men- mentioning they're All of them run Linux, so that kind of counts as Linux. But um, pretty much all of the main, all of the major um, NAS devices that are out there um, from, um, you know, uh, Asus Tech and um, ReadyNAS and like Netgear, uh, Synology. I mean, I'm spacing on them because there are so many, but we're at the Drobo 5N. Uh, we're on a lot of these NAS devices, and that's a popular choice for people who don't like to have a server computer always on. Right. Um, you can just, you know, throw it on your NAS and and kind of forget about it. So it's it's a it's a really good place for it.
0: And so you make this cool software that does this amazing stuff, and you have the the temerity, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to expect money for your work. So let's <laughs> talk about how you get paid.
3: Yeah, um, we we do like to occasionally feed our pets and feed our feed our families. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, to be honest, just to, to skip ahead, it's, it's a dream come true for all of us to be able to work on this and, and have it be a, a full time job. Um, but yeah. So when you download the server, the server is free and will, will always be free. And along with the server comes bundled this really, really cool web app that it's basically like a web based manager. You can manage all your stuff and you can play all your content too. Um, so it's, you know, HTML5, JavaScript. So you can, Access your content from across the world in a web browser, stream videos, do all that kind of stuff. So all of that is completely free. Um, what we, what we charge for is the, the, the apps. So the iOS app is $4.99. The Android app is 4 dollars Windows one apps $4.99. Um, stuff like that. And then we also have the Plex Pass, which is kind of our premium subscription platform model. And if you have a Plex Pass, again, it starts at um, – there's a really cheap monthly plan, there's a yearly plan, and then there's a lifetime plan for people who don't like recurring um, bills. But if you have and a Plex Pass, <laughs> you um, access to other features. Like, for example, you get the ability to sync content. So you can now sync content to your um, Android, iOS, or Windows phone device and bring it with you on an airplane where you just don't have connectivity.
0: So syncing um, is essentially offline mode, right? So you tag yeah. a certain set of videos and you download them offline
3: yep and it's super smart you can say stuff like hey you know the simpsons make sure i always have two unwatched episodes of the simpsons um so it's really smart syncing and then when you get done watching those it'll you know recycle over and bring you new ones um so that's super cool there is also a multi-user support is part of the premium package so you can set up you know different accounts for all your for all your friends and Uh, people at home and your family and they can have um their own history and their own uh kind of view into their media um so that's also part of the premium package i I want to talk
0: about that for just a second as i I mentioned earlier as a parent i have a uh a it it, because it knows all the great metadata one of the things it knows is the mpaa ratings of these so i have my kids set up with accounts that only show them the g and pg stuff and they don't see my you know John McClane blowing stuff up videos. It just doesn't appear on their systems, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, now I trust my kids not to uh, not to go down that path, but you know there's always the opportunity for them to give their tablet to somebody else who talks them into, you know, here let's watch The Dark Knight Rises. That sounds cool, and uh, then my five year old would have nightmares for a month. Uh, so using the Plex the Plex Pass, I set them up with an account, and I just only give them access to that particular uh collection of videos and that's a great service
3: thanks yeah we definitely parental controls um, we talked about this earlier i don't have kids yet but you know hopefully eventually but um parental controls and, and kind of basically making that system more powerful it's it's one of the most requested features in our um premium forums when you get a plex pass you have access to these premium forums the premium forums include a place to vote on new features and suggest new features and parental controls are you know, one of the most important things, one of the things on the top of the list that people have been asking for. Um, and so we're, we're definitely looking to enhance the functionality that you're talking about for the future, making it making it much friendlier for people to use and much more powerful also.
0: Yeah, and you didn't talk about how much it costs. The the annual is 25 bucks. The monthly is 34. The annual is uh, 29,
3: 29. The monthly is 399. Yeah.
0: And then the lifetime
3: is 74.99. So um, I,
0: I didn't even know about the forums and the voting and all. I paid for it because I like your service and I wanted to tip you. So I bought yep. an, an annual uh, subscription, but I'll probably end up making that a lifetime. Which would you prefer? I mean, you make more money if I keep it annually than if I go lifetime.
3: I mean, yeah, I guess technically, if you bought it monthly and kept it going for the rest of your life, I'd make enough to buy a car or something. But um, yeah, I, th- I think generally, what we find is that you know if people are just looking to check the system out, they'll get a monthly for a couple months. Yeah. But I think generally, the next step is people generally. Um, you know, they go for the lifetime just cause it's, it's the one-time value once they see all the things that, that Plex offers. And once they kind of see that we're a passionate little company that really cares about making the most amazing media system and we keep pumping out new things and trying to get things to work better. And we're, like, we're just actively working on it. I think most people figure well, I'll be around for a couple of years, you know, I'll just get the lifetime. Um, but yeah, any, any either of them help us out and we absolutely appreciate it and you know i'll take this opportunity on this podcast to just say thank you so much to everyone who's a plex Pass member um you honestly make it possible for us to you know be following our life's passion because we're passionate about media and we're um you know a, s- a small band of developers and it's because of you guys and your support that we can we can do what we love so thank you
0: so how small how many people are on the team Right now, um,
3: there's about, I'd say between actually, uh, 20 and 30, uh, full-time people, um, full-time wow. engineers. And like I said, yeah, so we've, we've been growing quite a bit. Um, and we have people all the way from South Africa to Sweden to Scotland, um, to just about every time zone in the U S. Um, so we, we, we hire the best people that we can find all over the world. So if you're an amazing um software guy and you have a resume, feel free to send it our way to. Um because we are hiring and we love like nothing gives us greater pleasure than hiring someone who's used Plex for years, loves it, knows about it, and I also happens to be a kick-ass engineer. You know, that's
1: we've Well, we have a pretty good audience. You might end up getting maybe somebody who might look that way. Um, I know for me, um, the second I started playing with and seeing how much features there was, I instantly hit the, the lifetime button. So you may not get a monthly from me, but you got a lifetime. Thank you. So, oh yeah, no problem. Um, I really, I really w- am passionate about s- spreading this around. You know, like I, Mark said, i I converted him basically from XBMC. He
0: nagged me for months is what he
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, I think uh, you know, nag conversion. Yeah, it all works. Um, works like I, yes. <laughs> um, like I was saying pre-show. Uh, I got a buddy of mine who is running it in his house right now. Um, he's going to buy a lifetime membership as soon as the budget allows him to, because of the features that he can say that his kids can only see these episodes of you know the that that rating level of the movies he's ripping so um you know there's another one and i got a bunch of other people that are asking me how this works and how to how to get it to work even better so um so far everybody that has seen this has went i want one i really really want one so you might end up getting a few more coins in your own purse from uh from people that just from me referring so uh keep on the good work i really love this project i really really do so since you're already Um,
0: uh doing all that great transcoding stuff, why not make it rip too? Why not make it the full package where I can pop a DVD in, you rip it, index it, and go from there?
3: That's actually a great question. Um, We've kind of discussed it internally a bit, but in general, um, you know, there's already software that does that really well. And so um, it's, it's it's not actually something that We see requested a lot, to be honest. Um, See,
0: that's always sort of been a dream of mine. I want a a media center that also rips. So I buy a DVD for the first time. I put it in, and the first time I'm watching it, it's also ripping it and throwing it in my library. So I bring it home, I watch it, and now I have it there. Instead of having to do that extra step, often what I do is I rip it before we can watch it. So you know, when the the Despicable Me 2 came out, I went and bought it because my kids love that movie. And they had to wait for me to rip it and transfer it to my system so that we could watch it. And the whole time I'm thinking, why, why can't my system have to just do this for me? So consider this yeah. a feature request.
3: No, it's a, it's a great question. And we, we <laughs> did absolutely discuss it as a way of, you know, just easing importing media into the library. It, it's definitely interesting and it definitely sort of completes the circle in a way. Um, and I'll note your feature request.
0: Cause I am nice. a, I am a, premium member so i have that you mind. are a premium member so i'm
3: listening very carefully i'm
0: taking notes here <laughs> uh chris seth um, any other questions i i kind of monopolize the interview like i always do
1: yeah it's nothing new for you mark yes. um the the thing i would bring up is i'll definitely repoint people at the roku app um my five-year-old sat in front of the roku app and went oh it's just like netflix and she went right through it found everything that she wanted and this is before I've actually configured her account. So she sees everything. Um, but she went right down, found her Tinkerbell movie, went beep and started watching it. Didn't even blink. So if you, if you're got little kids who can function a, a Netflix queue or whatever and they're used to that type of model, the Roku app is perfect for them. Um, is there I any thought of bring
0: up- bringing in things like Netflix and Amazon Prime to the fold so that it is a, a unified media center?
3: We've we've gotten that request in the past, and when we first started out, and we just had the native Media Center app, um, we actually had we sort of had a, an official Netflix plugin on there for a while. But the the thing is, currently, most of the places where where we are, pretty much everywhere we are, like you know, for example, the Amazon Fire TV, where we have a, a really a really cool app, and the Roku, where we have a really cool and popular app. Um, you know, Netflix is already on both of those places, so. It's not. It's not as important for us to you know try to integrate Netflix into into our plugin too because um, it's sitting right there wherever you right. wherever you
0: already are. Right. So you think you thinking just sort of stick with what you do well. Yeah, I mean
3: we're, we're you know focusing on 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 local content and personal content um, and a lot of the and the online content that we do support is more of the long tail content. You know we don't because again everywhere where we're on you know like our Samsung TV app we had. Um, LG app for a while, we, you know, we're on all these different places and pretty much everywhere you look, there's already, um, Netflix app. There's already a, you know, Pandora app. There's already these, these apps. Um, you know, we wouldn't, if, if, if people came talking to us and wanting, wanted to integrate their services, we'd absolutely, you know, talk to them. But just because of that, wherever Plex is, you have these other services, there's, there's, there's not really a big win to, you know, to pull it in.
1: Right. Um, speaking of other services and, and pulling them in, um, I did notice, now, I don't know if this is a Plex issue or if it's an issue with, um, my friend's network. Um, he's got a PlayStation 3 and a PlayStation 4, and we're noticing huge issues getting the DLNA support working. Is that a known bug or is that just his network? And there's also no apps in the PlayStation or Xbox net, um, stores. Is that something you guys are looking at fixing?
3: So to answer your first question, um, the DLNA again, that it, it's back when I was discussing the magic of network discovery and how easy slash hard it is. Um, we see certain networks across which DLNA doesn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't like there, there's some, it's unfortunately, you know, people go out and they buy a bunch of routers and they hook them up and it kind of works and you know, they can reach the internet, which is the main thing. But in a lot of cases, they end up creating these incompatible little s- local networks inside their house that are, you know, multiple local networks that can't talk to each other. So it doesn't seem broken, because they can reach the internet from any of them. But in terms of interoperating and talking across those local networks, it just doesn't work. Um, so so that's the kind of the, the most um, likely scenario in his case is that, uh there's something weird with the networks that doesn't allow the broadcast for them to discover. So if, it, if it's just not seeing it at all. Um the other scenario would be if he's running, let's say for example on Windows the server and he has some sort of antiviral that's you know that's locking stuff down. But the most common case yeah. would be of the DLNA apps aren't aren't working is is that it's you know it's it's a networkological thing that we don't that we can't really do anything about.
1: I figured. And then like my my and then my second question was is I know um, we you have apps for Roku and Amazon Fire and and things like that. Um, but I, we didn't find it in his PlayStation stores. Um, is that because it's impossible to get one in there, or just because no one's asked for it?
3: Well, it's it's no people ask for it. I mean, the, those stores are are definitely much harder to get into and and take work to get into and take work to write a new app. And so you know, we're we're always looking to expand our our footprint. We'd love to be everywhere, but. Um, you know, there's just certain places that are that are trickier and harder than others. So um, every year we continue to have platforms and every year um, you see us like on the fire TV, you know, we were there from the get go. Um, so we're 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 trying to be a platforms.
0: alright We've we've we've. Beat you and battered you for uh, half an hour now. Uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here. I, I always have uh, the same question I ask everybody interview. If if somebody's interview right now and this next thing you say is the only thing they hear, what do you make want to make sure that people know about Plex?
3: Uh, go visit our website Plex.tv. Check it out. It's an amazing thing. If you have any kind of media at home, videos, music, photos, uh, it'll make your media awesome. Uh, and like I said at the very beginning. Plex is to media like bacon is to food. It just makes everything better. So if you like media, if you like watching movies, TV, audio, go check it out. Plex.tv.
1: There you go.
0: Elon, well, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and uh, you're welcome back anytime.
3: Mark, Chris, Seth, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your Plex <laughs> evangelism and having me on and uh, the friendly chat. And uh, hopefully be back before too long.
0: I hope to have him back. He was uh, entertaining and intelligent and, and the, the project, the project is just amazing. I mean, I think we gushed enough about it during the interview. We oh, don't need to God. gush anymore. But uh, it's it's one of those things that that few few projects excite me in the mm-hmm. way that this this has. Uh, in that it just it does it does what it does so very well, and it's completely afford. I mean, you could do the whole thing for free if you just wanted to use the web app. Um, it wouldn't cost you a dime, and that's how I tried it out for the first couple of months. I. I uh, browse the, the web app, the server thing on my uh, on my ta- iPad and on my tablets and uh, you know I set up the firewalling and stuff at my house to do it. If you're willing to do the work, uh, it's it's great at no cost but you know the, you get some added benefits yeah. to buying the app or, or pay, being becoming a premium. Uh, plus you just you know you make sure the project continues by paying for it. So I encourage you first to try it and I encourage you to continue to pay for it there if you, you, if you like it. Okay. So now we'll move on to the part of the show where I tell you how to contact us because, hey, maybe this is your first time listening and you don't know that if you want to, uh, to uh, be part of the listener feedback section of the show, which we didn't do this week, uh, or if you want to uh, uh, tell us your experiences with Plex or how you feel about Netflix and Verizon, you can do all those things by going to elementop.com, clicking the Contact Us button at the top of the page, or if you just want to send an email directly, that's edl at everydaylinux.com, excuse me, at elementop.com, edl at elementop.com. or if you want to be on the show in your own uh, sweet tones, you can do that by dialing 559-IMOP-anywhere in North America. And uh, we will get uh, leave your voicemail with Google, and we will put you on the show. So there is uh, enough about that. And so now it's time for Dev Slash Random. Well, I noticed that Chris, Seth we had, two had two links
1: today, so I'm going to have two links too. Um, but my first link is just a rehash from last week because we had... Um, the Fitch Foundation with the big skate park that we're doing. Uh, there was a huge announcement that we had on Wednesday on our release date, and I I was not able to get clearance to talk about it during the show. So I'm going to talk about it now because it was awesome. Uh, if 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 you know who Jeff Amont is or Ament, uh, he is the basis for Pearl Jam, and he donated a forty thousand dollar skate bowl to the park. Just off of whim. Didn't know, didn't, we didn't approach him. It just was like, Oh, look, we're trying to get a skate park. And he contacted us and donated. So it's an awesome thing. He designed it himself. Um, there's a, a team of builders that are already here building the park. Uh, and they already, you know, they've dealt with him before. And so they just went, Oh, yep, we'll take care of it. And away they go. So we're going to have three sections of a park that were all, and it was only originally specced for two. So. This is an awesome big secret that we weren't expecting, and then it just kind of happened um and I, I had a funny note to go with it. Uh, I was on Twitter and I twittered, thanked um jeff uh, Amont Ament or whatever and uh I didn't know he had a foundation of his fans, and they contacted us now too, and they're going to help with whatever they can for the park as well. So this is a huge all of a sudden things are kind of falling into place. And so uh, we still need more donations for the bit for the skate park, but it's going to become one monstrous park that is going to be um a beautiful thing when it's done. But now on to my second link. Um I found this the other day just dinking around through the Play Store. Uh, I am rooted deeply into my google calendar uh anyone that has kids and has a very list focused wife you're going to be rooted in your calendar as well and then so but the google calendar always seemed to be a little it worked but it was a little wonky and i ran across this one called sunrise and i don't know if anyone else has ever seen this thing on the mobile but it is a just beautiful calendar app that you can link not just your Google account into, but your Facebook, LinkedIn, and a lot, a handful more of the, of other apps. Uh, I think Foursquare goes in there. Um, you can do Exchange. Well, Exchange is coming, but there's, there's a ton of different other plugins you can plug into this calendar so you can keep track of everything all in one place. Not only is it a mobile app, but there's also a desktop client. That just is a nice thing to deal with. Uh, so if you're a heavy calendar user like I am, take a look at Sunrise. It, first of all, it's free, so there's no hurting if you don't like it. Uh, but I really like it, so take a look at sunrise.am for the website, or sunrise in any store near you.
0: So I'm just looking at it here on my, on the page, and I, I don't see anything special about it on the web. You the, say mobile on the, really on the mobile is where I really noticed a big difference.
1: Primarily. Um, see, I, and like I said, I have, I think there's 30 calendar accounts in here that I have tracking. So when you have 30 different calendars that you're tracking, it, it gets messy in the Google calendar. Uh, and this one kind of makes it a little or a little more elegant and easy to see. Um, and I'm sure our, Lovely guys listening are not going to care, but I'm going to hold it up so the other guys can see it. I don't know if you can see the screen here, but it's a, a nice, elegant view of my phone with, well, that just kind of showed a payroll day, but you, I mean, it has, it, it highlights the day on the top and then lists has a task list underneath it. So you get the benefit of a task list and the calendar as what well, view as well. So you get it's something to look at, and it it, it changes the view a little bit. Um, so when you're playing, when you're looking at it, 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 you can tinker the the view a little bit. But I really like it, um, and I don't know if it's a feature of the app or something about my new phone. But I noticed today, you know how normally you have to snooze your phone or put it into sleep mode or or put it in a vibrate only mode. Um, it did it for me. I didn't have to do it today. I was in a meeting because yeah. it knew you had a So I an don't event. know if that's part of the app or if it's just my phone doing it because it, it knows that I have a calendar event right now. Um but for free it's worth it. I like the widget a little bit better than the Google widget. It's a little, it has a little bit more transparency. Um but yeah, take a look at it. I really like it.
0: So I'm looking at my calendar on Sunrise as I'm looking at it, and and I notice, I don't know why this is there, but August 1st, I have an event that says Cancel <laughs> Dish Network Account. I don't know why I put that there or what I was thinking, but apparently on August 1st, my plan at some point was okay. to cancel my Dish maybe Network you, account.
2: Maybe you said it recurring, and it was for last year? I checked that. It, it wasn't there
0: last year. I checked that, because huh. that's what I was thinking, but... Uh, <laughs> i have no idea i'm not mad at this network but apparently at some point i was <laughs> and i gave him a deadline and i just didn't i didn't use the note function maybe you
2: entered know. it wrong when you and you've since corrected it but you never realized it so as some august first year passed, you just chose the wrong year it's possible but sure
0: all right Seth what you have some uh, historically uh, relevant things and I have some comments on that but I'll let you go first. Well um this?
2: this is um I put two in there in honor of D-Day the 6th of June whenever the Allies stormed the beaches of Normandy and opened up really technically or uh, opened up a second front in the war um one thing I wanted to just say in passing is that there seems to be in the in the western Europe especially in America a, um, just a, and a glossing over of the, the contribution the Russians played in the war. You know, one of, the, and I'm not saying that taking the beaches were easy by any means. You know, one, I wasn't there and I haven't been a soldier, but part of the reason that it was made possible was the Eastern front where the Russians were advancing on the Germans. And then Russia totally discounts everything that the allies did in the West saying, Oh, another front was open. Is pretty much all the coverage they give to it. Part of the reason they were able to advance was the German, Germany's preparation to defend the Western, their Western seaboard against the Allied attack. But December 6, 1944, um, we, D day was launched. And this one site, um, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, opened a Twitter feed and they did it it's 70 years later, but they did like a uh, a timeline as if the reporter was embedded with the unit tweeting out what they were doing and when they were doing it. And I thought it was kind of cool. And you know, because of the difference in time zones, I was watching this kind of real time throughout the day, and it was pretty neat just to see the troops, uh, just to see the accounts pop up. So one of the links is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's D-Day Live, and the other is a series of pictures, uh, D-Day then and now. Um, haunting. Yes, very haunting. haunting pictures. It shows what um, it shows a photograph from D-Day. And then it takes that same picture today. Like the first one, there's this group of soldiers walking. And in the next one, there's just tourists on the beach. You know, Eisenhower is talking to guys. And then it's, a, it's an abandoned field, uh, landing craft, uh, people coming out of it, uh, in the next, you know, these little surfboard things. Uh, it's just, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's just wow. It's creepy. You look at it. Some of the, some of the buildings, um, you know, you can see the exact same building in there, but, you know, one is death and destruction, and the other is people just laying around the beach. Uh,
0: But, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to gloss over the, the fact that this is what those yeah, young right. men killed and died for. They wanted, 70 years later, for people to be suntanning on this beach instead of dying on it. I mean, that was... That was the whole reason they did this. And so I, 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 it's easy to fall into cheapening this and saying, you know, we've, we've squandered their sacrifice. But no, that's exactly what their sacrifice was for. I, I've said it before. I think perfect, it's perfectly appropriate to have a barbecue on Memorial Day because you're remembering what those people died so that you could be able to do, you know, and if, if Hitler had had his, had his way, would the beaches at Normandy be a tourist attraction today? I don't know. But, they those those young men killed and died so that a uh, seven generation six generations probably later uh that that sacrifice would be a distant memory so it's it's appropriate to remember but it's also appropriate to move forward
2: yeah so uh, and you know and that's i just you know i love history um and little things like this that kind of make it real is I, I, think they're really cool. And to me, this is one of the things the internet was designed for. You, you can see, I mean, I wasn't there, you know, I've never experienced war, but you can kind of see at least in some way what it was like. Um, even though I've never been to Normandy, I, I can look at these places and go, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, and in case you don't know,
0: if you're, not if you're too young or don't know that uh, June 6 1944 was the the day the American the allied forces landed in mass in Europe Uh and you know and, and really broke the back of the Axis powers at the time Um and so the, 70 years later we like round numbers uh, and that's why it's been a big deal I, I can't remember the website I wish I did now uh, the, but there was a, a display of photos much like this only instead of back to back they were interposed so there was there would be a group of people at a fountain uh in modern dress and behind them the uh the black and white superimposition of a tank that was a i did that Which has been
2: uh, many months ago but that was one of my links yeah
0: and uh so it's 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 pretty it's it's sobering when you think that uh the the world we live in today, where we complain about uh, slap fights between Verizon and Netflix, uh, th- that was bought at a great price. And not just American lives, every every country, it's why it's called a world war. Everybody suffered in that, that generation, that entire generation of people suffered. And really, they're the last ones to do so en masse like that. I mean, there have been battles, there have been wars, um, but it's the last time that a world banded together. Uh, or you know, in such a way. I mean, you could say the the Axis powers banded together as well. The, the there were two sides, and it didn't matter where you were; you were on one of yep. those two sides. Um, and we haven't we haven't seen that. And it, you know, it would be great if we never see that again. That's that's not a bad thing. Um, but it you know, let's also not forget uh, what. That that where we are today was bought at a great price. Couldn't crash. say it any better than
1: myself, Mark. You, you pretty much took every word out of my mouth.
0: Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a patriot, and so naturally I think America is the greatest place on the face of the planet. But I don't want to undermine the French and the Canadians and the New Zealanders and the Japanese and the Chinese. The that everybody, even if you know, even like the Japanese, we we weren't on the same side in that yep. war but we fought for the same reasons. And and I, I respect that. I, dis, I I respectfully disagree. I think their reasons were wrong and our reasons were right, but I have the the luxury of looking back as the the a member of the Victor nation to think that. And I, I certainly don't want to undermine the fact that that they they struggled and fought and sacrificed for what they believed in in the same yeah. way that that my grandfather did. And they are both worthy of honor.
2: Yeah, and you know, especially you know, it seems like today it's almost like the Cold War is happening again uh, with between Russia and the West. Again, you know, we don't even you know we talk about the Eastern Front, but you have to realize how much of Germany was given to halt the Russian advance uh, that made the landing even possible. And you know, and and Russia needs to realize how much of Germany was preparing the Western wall to make their advance possible. I'm not saying either one was easy. You know, Russia has, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dead brothers, uncles, fathers, uh, cousins to prove that it wasn't easy. Um, but again, both, both the East and the West need to realize that it took the others sacrifice to make their sacrifice possible. And so, uh, you know, again, we'll we'll cover that more fully on a future Politics Today episode. I think.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm currently reading, quote unquote, listening to an audio book uh, called Brothers in Battle: Best of Friends, and it's it's two of the guys from Easy Company, uh, the paratroopers that the movie, uh, the miniseries Band of Brothers was uh, brothers was about. And uh, you know, it it was a featured thing on that day on June six, and I I snapped it up. Um. And you know, I'm only in like chapter two and there've already been a couple of times that I've been in tears yeah. listening to these guys talk about, you know, the what 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 chokes me up about it is not the horror of battle, but the matter of factness with which they simply said, This must be done. I'm mm-hmm. doing this because I have to. And and we don't I don't have any frame of reference for that. I'm a I'm a a, a fat, comfortable, uh chauvinistic American uh, I I have the luxury of never having come to a situation and said this this will, may take my life, but I have to do it because it's the right thing to do. And uh, you know, I, I think we have lost something as a, as a culture, as a culture of humans, uh, because we're losing that generation, and and humanity is is losing part of its soul. Not to get too rhapsodic there, but I I really think that we need to be mining these people. And that's what this book is. It's interviews with these two guys when they were in their seventies or eighties. And we need to be mining this treasure trove of, yeah. of humanity while Before we can, uh, because they're, they're quickly fading. I mean, if you were, if you were 18 in 1944, you're in 91, if my math is right today. So, you know, it's, it's,
1: they're, they're, well, they're going, I away think quickly. I saw somewhere that one of the last code speakers passed away.
2: Yes, the last or, the last original yeah. one. Uh, there there was a group that actually developed the code, and he was the, he was the last of those, uh, and that, that happened this past yeah, week.
1: Yeah, that that shocked me. I mean, I remember hearing stories of that. So
2: yeah,
0: okay, enough about that. Um, I I think we should do just set aside a show maybe on a holiday, and just leave all the Linux out of it, and and talk about some of our favorite stuff in history because we're all three. Buffs about that, and I think our audience is as well. And just treat it not from an American point of view, but from a global point of view. Uh, that maybe that'll be something we can do, or
1: even so bring anyway, people in to do too. That would be fun. Have yeah. door come in this show.
0: This show is rapidly approaching miniseries status, <laughs> uh, so I want to to bring it to a an end and say, guys, thanks for being with us. Uh, Alain, you've you've already gone, but uh, I thank also uh, you for for. Uh, giving us your time uh, to to be interviewed Uh, Chris Seth you're awesome as always and uh, may your plate always have bacon on it
1: Um, I hope so and I'm
0: going to say for now that ends this episode of Everyday Luxe